You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the fifth Sunday in Lent, March 21st, 2021, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, Rector at St. Thomas. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we meet Jesus and his friends during during what will turn out to be the last week of his life. They've come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Jesus has already worked what John's Gospel calls the seven signs, what we sometimes refer to as miracles, but what are really signs of God's power at work in the world. The last of these signs, just days before, has been the raising from the dead of Jesus' friend Lazarus. He's gotten quite a reputation, and large crowds have gathered from far and wide to get a look at this remarkable man. Among those who have come to take a look are some Greeks, foreigners, and they come to Philip, one of Jesus' friends, and say, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And when this gets reported to Jesus, he says something pretty enigmatic. Now my hour has come to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who hate their life will lose it. Those who love their life will lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it 
for eternal life. See, Jesus sees what's to come. Jesus sees that the signs of God's action in the world are so threatening to the powers that be that they'll do anything to resist it, including putting to death the one who incarnates God's love. Jesus sees this clearly, and so he turns to his friends and begins to talk about his death. You know, all throughout John's Gospel, we hear Jesus speaking about his hour. And his hour has finally arrived. The hour when his life's work will be fulfilled. The hour when he'll be glorified. Now, Jesus doesn't mean glorified in an egotistical, self-aggrandizing kind of way. No, his glorification will result in the overcoming of the world and in driving out the ruler of this world. Now, the Greek word that gets translated here as world is cosmos. And it doesn't mean God's creation. No, the cosmos is all that separates itself from God. All that's organized to stand against God's purposes for creation. That's the world. That's the cosmos in John's Gospel. So, let's call it the powers that be. The powers that be are driven by a spirit or a force that Jesus calls the ruler of this world. So Jesus' crucifixion in John's Gospel is really a judgment on the powers that be and a judgment on the driving force of the powers that be that will now be driven out by the cross. So how, how did these powers that be capture us and take us down the path of death rather than the path of life? I mean, how do the powers that be separate us from our true selves? That's the question before us. Well, think about consumerism and consumption and the first cousin of consumerism and consumption, addiction. You know, all of these behaviors, whether they're... Uh, whether they objectify acquiring lots of things, lots of goods as leading to happiness, or whether they objectify using another human being for our own satisfaction as somehow the road to happiness. All of these behaviors separate us from God and separate us from our true selves. And they're all encouraged by the powers that be. And think about domination and hierarchies that create winners and losers. Domination and hierarchies that create them and us. The powers that be create structures that perpetuate racism and sexism and misogyny and homophobia. It's divide and conquer. Once again, human beings become objects to be dominated and controlled to satisfy our egoic desires. This domination and these hierarchies are perpetuated by violence. In fact, I would say that one of the primary myths of the powers that be is the myth of redemptive violence. The myth that the way to bring order out of chaos is the myth that goes, uh, that, that, goes the, uh, that we have to violently defeat the other. That's the only way to bring order out of chaos is to uh, violently defeat the other. You know, and that's how we get rid of our threats and our enemies. Just like the powers that be seek to do to Jesus. And you know, it's right here in our backyards today, isn't it? 
mean domestic terrorism, fueled by the, fueled by the myth of white supremacy, the myth that, uh, that divides and conquers, gives rise to the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters, and encourages individuals like Dylan Roof, who slaughtered nine black Christians at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston simply because they're of a different race. And domestic terrorism is on the rise. The myth that the only thing that can overcome violence, the only thing that can bring order out of chaos is more violence, creates an ever-decreasing spiral which pits group against group, one against the other, and which paradoxically serves only to deepen the chaos and to maintain the powers that be. But it's just this myth of redemptive violence that the cross rejects Jesus refuses to respond to the powers that be on their terms. He refuses to meet violence with violence. Later in John's Gospel, when Jesus is questioned by Pilate, he says, My kingdom is not from this world. My kingdom is not from this cosmos. My kingdom is not ruled by the powers that be. If my kingdom were from this world, if my kingdom were from the cosmos... My followers would keep me from being handed over to the, relig the religious authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Jesus rejects the myth of redemptive violence. And in the cross, dramatically judges the powers that be for what they are. Opponents, enemies of God's purpose for creation. Enemies of true life and agents of death. Jesus calls out the driving spirit of the powers that be because we've seen them for what they are. We can be set free from them now. We can die to the world of the powers that be and be born into a new world where we can live fully and freely as followers of Jesus. John's Gospel makes it clear that the cross is how God reconciles humanity. A humanity that's fallen subject to the powers that be. God, the cross reconciles humanity back to God. Jesus' surrender, his self-emptying offer of complete love, his offer of his whole human existence, draws into himself the whole human condition, makes it possible for all of humanity to be returned to God in an unending future, all of humanity to be returned to God in the eternal now. And within the message of the cross, within this mystery of true redemption, not the myth of redemptive violence, within this mystery of true redemption and salvation, there's one final message for us. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. His friends will be asked to drink the same cup as Jesus. His friends will be asked to carry the same cross, to make the same surrender to God. In the cross, all humanity is called to participate in the new life of Jesus, the risen Christ. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself, Jesus says. The grain of wheat has to die. It dies, though, so that it can bear much fruit.
This is such a magnificent story. This is such a hopeful story. It's a story to give our lives to. The story that the cross overcomes the forces of domination by hatred and that the cross overcomes control by violence. The story that surrender of our selfish, ego-driven lives to instead live in communion with God in Christ and with the humanity created by God. That's the story of true freedom. The freedom to be who we really are and not what the powers that be want us to be. In Copley Square in Boston stands Trinity Episcopal Church. It's a magnificent piece of architecture designed by H.H. Richardson, and it's a Boston landmark. Inside the church, the pulpit stands high above the nave. As the preacher ascends the stairs, she or he is greeted by a brass plaque on the lectern where the sermon notes will rest. The plaque reads, Sir we wish to see Jesus. That's a mighty task for a preacher, isn't it? Those Greeks visiting Jerusalem 2,000 years ago speak for us today. They'd heard that there might be a new way of seeing. They'd heard that there might be a new way of being in the world. A world not dominated and controlled by violence and division, but instead a world marked by abundant love and healing and communion. A world where the powers that be have been driven out and compassion and community abide. While it may be the preacher's task to open up that world, it's our task to live as if that world has already come to pass. It's our task to surrender our self-centered wants and desires, to allow the grain of wheat to fall to the ground so that it might bear much fruit. Yes, 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 we wish to see Jesus. And yes, my dear sisters and brothers, Jesus is here, right here among us on this day, on this first day of spring, lifted from the earth. Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's a www.stthomasmedina.org.